Welcome to Stewardology, a podcast where two worlds collide. In this show, financial advisor Tim Russell and Reverend Drew Geisey come together to explore the intersection of financial stewardship and theology. Their unique perspectives help Christians and churches understand and apply a biblical framework for everyday financial decisions, so Christians everywhere can improve and strengthen their walk with Christ through biblical stewardship. Before we get started, we just wanted you to know that the topics discussed in this podcast are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific investment advice or recommendations. Investing and investment strategies involve risk, including the potential loss of principal. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Securities and advisory services are offered through Genios Wealth Management, member FINRA and SIPC. Without further ado, here are your hosts, Tim Russell and Drew Geisey. My name's Tim Russell. And I'm Pastor Drew Geisey. And we welcome you to episode 23 of The Stewardology Podcast. Well, Tim, last week we recorded part one of a two-part series, and we're talking about King Solomon and his view on money and stewardship. And just as a refresher to our listeners, King Solomon was the richest and wisest man that ever lived, okay, outside of our Savior, Jesus Christ. He was the richest and wisest? I'd say that is true. He was the richest. Jesus was the wisest. He yes. was not the richest man who ever lived oh, because foxes have holes and, you know. Yeah, but, but, he, but owned, he had no place to lay his head. God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Solomon was wealthy and wise. Yeah, but Jesus owns it all. I, well, I understand that. But on this earth, the richest man who walked the earth. While okay. he walked the earth, using the he term using the term walked, but, but then again. So anyway, our, our point here is that we're getting you to think. About the wealthiest man yeah. who ever lived yeah. and the wisdom that he had to share with us. So if 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 you can think of the wealthiest man, we talked about Warren Buffett, if you wrote yeah. a bestseller, his mm-hmm. journal, thoughts on wealth and money, let's face it, it would be a bestseller. It probably already is because it probably already exists. But today we're going to give you eternal wisdom Amen. from source of timeless truth that we are absolutely confident if you take and apply, will radically transform the stewardship of your work, your finances, your income, and your wealth. Yeah, amen. I I love hearing that. Just as a quick uh, reminder of what we talked about in our last episode, Solomon spoke about evaluating your love life, your financial love life. (laughs) Not your love life, your financial love life. And he also had stated about greater wealth brings greater responsibility. Having more is not always better, and increased wealth brings increased anxieties. And today we're going to be looking at points 5 through 8 from Ecclesiastes 5, 10 through 15, and I'm going to read that passage of Scripture again. So it's starting at verse 10. Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. This too is meaningless. As goods increase, so do those who consume them. And what benefit are they to the owner except to feast their eyes on them? The sleep of the laborer is sweet, whether he eats little or much, but the abundance of the rich man permits him no sleep. I have seen a grievous evil under the sun, wealth hoarded to the harm of its owner, or wealth lost through some misfortune, so that when he has a son, there is nothing left for him. Naked a man comes from his mother's womb, and as he comes, so he departs. He takes nothing from his labor that he can carry in his hands. So point number five is this, hoarding hurts. 
Mm-hmm. And that comes right out of verse 13. I have seen a grievous evil under the sun, wealth hoarded to the harm of its owner. So when you think about stewardship, usually hoarding is not in that conversation, for it's usually an opposite of what someone would think about when it comes to stewardship. And here in verse 13, it's a challenging one from Solomon, this verse is. And Solomon does not get into the detail of the why or how the hoarding hurts, uh, so he doesn't dive into that. So we got to pull back and we got to look at what some of our medical and psychological professionals uh, state pertaining to this. And as we stated in last week's episode, with wealth, anxiety or even great anxiety usually runs right alongside it. And most anxious people experience a range of symptoms. And stay with me, I'm going to go lightning fast here. Here are some of the symptoms. Feeling nervous, tense, fearful, restlessness, panic attacks, rapid heart rate, fast breathing, hyperventilation, sweating, shaking, fatigue, weakness, dizziness, difficulty concentrating, sleep problems, nausea, digestive issues, chest pains, obsessive thoughts, and other compulsive behaviors. What does it say about me that my blood pressure just went up when you read that I list? Hear you. Aye, aye, aye. Oh, man. Well, yeah. So, I mean, the, the, the bottom line is that anxiety is very big, and hoarding causes anxiety. It does. It does. And what a list from Solomon. And even back in the day, prior to our psychological and medical professionals, Solomon knew in the simplistic forms what what this hap- what happens to us. Today's TV reality shows present hoarding in light of those who don't have much money, and these people hoard just little to no value items and some even their own trash. But our professionals would actually attest to that hoarding crosses over all economic lines, and it includes those that are wealthy. So the question is, what do the wealthy hoard? Their own cash. They're driven. They're even obsessed to protecting it. And even as we talked about, they're obsessed to having one more dollar. Um, One commentator said it this way, the hoarder has already lost his wealth in his mind. He's always thinking that another hoarder is after it. He may even lose it in reality. He is a worried man, and here's the key, and he often looks it. So Solomon spoke so well to this that the hoarding of wealth hurts not just the individual, but those around him as they watch and see what is going on in that person's life. Tim, what would be a good stewardship takeaway for us? You know, before I jump to the stewardship takeaway, I'm really, uh, it reminds me of how this verse is a healthy corrective to another verse mm. that we use in our, in our ministry. Proverbs 21 verse 20 says, "...in the house of the wise are stores of choice, food, and oil, mm. but the fool devours all that he has." So in that passage, we're talking about the wisdom of having reserves, mm-hmm. but there is a point of diminishing return Good. with well reserves. Said. Well said. So you can have some reserves that it's enough for you and for your family, then you can have just a little bit more and more and more and more and more until you get to a point where it's just hoarding wealth to your own harm, because you could never consume it all in your lifetime or before it goes bad, 
And what's the point? Yeah, well said. What's the point? So this is a very healthy corrective to another very good, true biblical principle that we need to apply in stewardship. So our stewardship takeaway is, you know, all that we have is from the Lord. It's His. Mm. We are to use what He provides for His kingdom, not to insulate ourselves in a nice little protective bunker of our own design. And hoarding is really designed to protect us from lack or want. Well said. And instead of looking outward to the lack and wants of those outside, we look inward to the lack and wants that we fear we might have in the future. We've caught this, this hoarding causes us to be inward focused, not others focused. Mm. So use your wealth and your possessions to bless and serve others. Amen. The second takeaway, I think, is another one that's really important for us to consider. Friends, how much is enough? And how much is too much? There is a point of diminishing returns. We believe in the necessity of saving and investing. We believe in having healthy portfolio balances, but we also believe that there is a point of diminishing returns that we need to consider how we can take what the Lord has provided to us to bless others. So we'll talk about what the others looks like. It looks like others outside of ourselves within our immediate family, leaving an inheritance that is part of wisdom. Mm -hmm. It's also blessing others outside of our community, outside of our immediate family within the community, those who are in need. Well said. Let's take a look at our next point, and that is here today, gone tomorrow. Verse 14 says it this way. Or wealth lost through some misfortune, or the ESV says bad venture, so that when they have children, there is nothing left for them to inherit. So Solomon states in this passage that the wealth in this situation was loss, and that loss was everything. There was nothing that was left. And the Hebrew word that Solomon uses here for misfortune has the implication that this person's business dealings were not upright. They were not honoring. In fact, uh, some some people that did some research on this word kind of see it as these dealings were very possibly evil, wicked, and or mischievous. Yeah, I had a really hard time seeing that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I chafed at that uh, characterization because the word misfortune sounds like, you know, for no bad purposes of your own in the you know, maybe sad providence of God, you yep. know, a storm came down, knocked your business over, and you lost everything you had. Well, that, that's a misfortune. Yes. But you see in other translations, yes. and as you go back to the original languages, a bad venture mm. might be better. And, and bad venture, maybe um, we can understand that as a an evil venture or a venture with evil intent. Like a get-rich-quick scheme type yeah. thing. Or... Or like a using shady business practices Mm -hmm. in order to enhance or increase the accumulation of your wealth and income. Yeah, yeah. Many today place their focus and even their trust in their wealth that they have amassed. And we see in 1 Timothy 6.17, we've shared this before, and it says this, As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, yeah, but on God. Yep. 
Though Solomon, he does not come out and speak directly to it here, he does allude to the uncertainty of riches, not for not just for those that do shady dealings, but also for the one that is upright and honorable. And now some of you may be thinking right now, you got a verse for that? Well, I do. I have a lot of verses for it. In fact, I got a few chapters. Uh, remember Job? Job chapters 1 and 2? Job was blameless and upright, one who feared God, turned away from evil, and we see that in Job 1.1. And without reading the whole story of these two chapters, Job lost not only his children, but also his livestock. This was his livelihood, his wealth. This was his retirement. Job did nothing wrong according to what we read in the book of Job. And God even defended Job before Satan and in, verse, in chapter 1, verse 8, saying that Job was a blameless and upright man. And after all the calamity against Job, Job even went as far as defending God in chapter 2, verse 10, and he says, Shall we receive good from God and not trouble? Job was upright before God. He lost all that he had. He did not sin. Solomon spoke of the one that had questionable business practices, that he lost it all. But we see in Scripture even the, the individual that has done things upright and honorable. There are times that we lose it all. So whether one has faith, weak faith, no faith, it has no bearing on the security of one's wealth. Tim, thoughts and takeaways? Yeah, I think at this point, there are a couple things that we need to remember. Don't seek to increase your wealth through shady dealings. Mm. The second point would be to trust in God as the provider. Don't trust in your money, your wealth, your wisdom, your ability to earn an income. Paul in 1 Timothy 6, 7 challenges us uh, that we are not to put our hope in the uncertainty of riches, not in your bank accounts, your portfolios, your 401ks. Both Solomon and Job, and I could even throw in here Paul, experienced or expressed the reality that wealth can be here today and gone tomorrow. Very much so. Very much so. Let's look at point the next point, and that is number seven, and that is stuff stays. And we see that in verse 15, the beginning part of it. It says, everyone comes naked from their mother's womb, and as everyone comes, so they depart. So these words were written by Solomon. They're not the most encouraging. Uh, <laughs> one, one commentator said it this way, Solomon argued that even if wealth were not lost but kept throughout life, one could not take it with him. Well said. So, and how true that is. We come into this world holding onto nothing. We leave with nothing in our hands. All of our assets and things that we've acquired in our lifetime will be left behind when we graduate from here to glory. Children's homes, auction houses, Facebook marketplace, yard sales, these places and more will be the destination of all of our stuff. And I hear, I, I heard this illustration years ago, and, I, and it speaks to this verse. A rich man died, and at the reading of his will, the question was asked, how much did he leave behind? To which the lawyer astutely answered, everything. And I love what Matthew Henry's commentary says about Ecclesiastes 515a. 
He said this, We are born with our hands gripping, but we die with them extended, letting go of what we held fast. I I love that picture that's there. So back to the verse. Let me read it again. Everyone comes naked from their mother's womb, and as everyone comes, so they depart. To say it in a very simplistic form, all of your stuff stays. So Tim, thoughts and stewardship takeaway. Money and stuff are possessions. Mm -hmm. We're leaving them here. It's not going with us. Mm -hmm. So the stewardship takeaway is use wisely the resources that the Lord has entrusted to your care. If you can imagine a line of rope in your left hand, and that line stretches all the way to the east, keeps on going, wraps all the way around the world, and it comes back to your hand in the left. And you hold those two things, and in your left hand, you look at that, and you see this tiny little dot at the edge of that corner. That tiny little dot represents your lifetime. And that rope that's now stretched all the way across the world represents a fraction of what eternity will be. Only the things that we do in this life will matter for eternity. And the way in which we the way in which we use the resources the Lord has entrusted to us in this tiny little blip of time between your your date of birth and your date of death will have eternal significance. Yes. So recognize that that your life is not about you. Mm. That your possessions are not about you. That you have a stewardship responsibility to use what the Lord has entrusted to you to faithfully serve him, to serve others. Use your wealth to worship, glorify God, not your own image, character, and reputation. Well said. So that was point, stuff stays. And this is our last point, something goes. And the previous point, stuff stays, was expressed by Solomon at the beginning of verse 15. So the rest of the verse, 15b, says this, they take nothing from their toil that they can carry in their hands. Solomon here in 15b is implying that there is something that goes with us when we die, that one cannot touch, hold, or carry. Uh, I don't know about you, but this statement by Solomon, it piqued my interest, and literally over a course of weeks, I wrestled with it and started to think about it and read and investigate, and I believe I know what Solomon was referencing, and that was the soul of man. Our investment in the lives of others, investments that help a person come to know Christ and grow in Christ, it is that soul of that one individual, that family member, that group of ladies in your neighborhood, that tribe that trusted Christ because you invested into that missionary, or your church, which I pray is passionate about reaching and teaching people with the gospel of Christ— your investment directly or indirectly that helps someone trust in or grow in Christ, those lives are your investment that will exit out of this world with or because of you someday. This is the something that 
goes. And after hearing what the richest and wisest man that ever lived had to say, the question that we all ought to ask and answer is, what world am I investing in? For you know the passage very well, Matthew six nineteen through 20. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And I love what British author and lay theologian C.S. Lewis had to say. He said this, If you read history, you will find that the Christians who did the most for the present world were precisely those who thought most of the next. I love that phrase. So let me say it this way. Believers who are excited about and looking forward to being in heaven They're going to invest what they have today in ministries, programs that lead people to and help people grow in Christ. And they do this so that one day those impacted by the investment will join them in glory. And when we invest in the souls of man while here on earth, those through the use of our wealth and our assets, we are sending forward that which we cannot carry as Solomon states here in this verse. So, Tim, some thoughts and some takeaway points. I think we have to really do a return on investment mm. calculation with the way in which we live our lives. Break that down a little bit. So I, I use the illustration of that rope that stretches all the way around the world, representing yeah. eternity, a fraction of eternity, and a little dot on that rope representing life. Yeah. And we tend to live like that little dot is all that there is. So we accumulate things to make that little dot as good as that little dot can be for you, for your own creature comforts. And and I say you, but I mean me too. Like I, I am as subject to this temptation as anyone. So we think about the return on investment when I purchase something, how much happy Mm-hmm. or joy or pleasure is that thing going to give me sure uh, is it going to make my life easier or not and and there's there's a time and a place and a way in which that can that can be a good thing for us to think about those mm-hmm. things I, I certainly don't think we need to have an aesthetic lifestyle right um there is a place in our budget for luxuries there it's perfectly fine and right to enjoy them god's given us all things to enjoy worshiper worshiping the giver of the good gift not the gift itself but we should also consider whether or not that's the ultimate return on investment for the purchase decisions, lifestyle decisions that we make. Mm. Is there a greater eternal return on investment that we should be looking at? And what we see from what Jesus teaches us on the Sermon on the Mount is that we are to lay up for ourselves, notice the word, it is for ourselves, Mm -hmm. treasures in heaven, Mm And we do that through generosity, through releasing it from our own hands and grasp, trusting in the goodness of the Lord, stewarding the wealth, the income that he has provided us well to the glory of his name, to the building up of his kingdom, to the making great and glorious the look and appeal of his name. Amen. So that is what stewardship is all about, making God look glorious. All right. So as we 
go through this wrapping up the the episode today in our next episode we're going to be getting into the four-part series on practical money issues starting with renting versus buying a house so if you're thinking about well should i continue renting this house should i buy a house what's the wisdom and the stewardship decisions that i need to use to come up with that decision that is exactly where we're going to be next week so make sure you tune in so subscribe so that you don't miss a message, don't miss an episode and can enjoy all that we have to say. If you already own your home and you're not thinking about renting versus buying, I still encourage you to listen. There's a lot of wisdom that can cross over into other areas of your stewardship life. Subscribe to our podcast. Uh, make sure you get added to our email list so that you don't miss anything, any announcements or special uh, activities that are going on. Follow us on social media. Share us with a friend. Uh, leave a comment or review. That is so enormously helpful. Look, we're still a small podcast. We are growing and God has blessed us already in our 23 episodes with really remarkable growth. But the way in which we can utilize the stewardship resources that God has given us is to entrust ourselves to you, to don't hoard us to yourselves to share us with others, to leave comments and reviews on social media, especially if you find us helpful. That way we can have an even greater impact on the kingdom. In that regard, as we uh, wrap this up, one more point. We do offer a free stewardship review. So if you're hearing us today and you're saying, well, how can I better steward the wealth that God has given me, the income that God has given me? Why don't you reach out to us through our website? Ask for a free stewardship review. This is not a sales pitch. We're going to meet with you via a Zoom meeting or something like that and just spend time helping you understand where you are with your own personal stewardship and help you become an even better steward. Well, that's it for this time, folks. Until next, God bless. Thank you for joining us on the Stewardology Podcast, where financial stewardship and theology meet. We'd like to help you take your next steps in biblical financial stewardship. First, subscribe in your podcast provider to get the newest episode delivered to you every week. Next, follow us on social media and visit our website at stewardologypodcast.com. There you can find our social media links and our entire episode archive. Remember, some trust in chariots and some trust in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. See you next week on the Stewardology Podcast. Securities and advisory services offered through Genios Wealth Management, member FINRA and SIPC.